in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey, folks, this is Archie Mason, your host, That Farm Life Podcast. Thank you for joining us for uh, another episode here at That Farm Life Podcast. We're always trying to share the stories of other agri individuals and really try to help provide those resources that are needed by all of us out there that kind of help us deal with the stress and strains of life. It's okay not to be okay. And I kind of always add this tagline, we just want to help you not stay that way. So uh, it is a resource of the Agri Health Network. Check out our website agrihealth.net. And again, you can find some more resources, read some more about us. Today, we're talking with Kenny Sanford. Kenny has a background in agriculture, but made a career switch to marriage therapy. So if you're like me, I've been married for 34 years or so. We all need some insight and input uh, into our marriages. Always laugh. God made us completely different as male and female. And so uh, he, he does have a sense of humor. But, but I would encourage you, come back next week. And you're going to hear him talk about strengthening your marriage and learning to connect with your spouse. But this week, we're going to hear about how uh, the Lord has used Mr. Kenny and how uh, he can use uh, your agri skills and training also in ministry. So, Mr. Kenny, I, when I, I, I first uh, got you on a podcast, I said, man, you've got an interesting background. So uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us today. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Yes, sir. Hey, tell us about yourself and your family. Well, you know, I grew up in Southeast Texas, uh, down Port Arthur Groves area. Um, my dad was a ship worker, refinery worker. My mom, uh, in my early days, uh, was a nurse. She shipped work. So, uh, my, my I guess one of my uh, main caretakers was uh, an, my aunt, a great aunt, uh, and I think um, she was the one that really, I guess, really cultivated my interest in the earth. You know. Uh, she's, uh, she was old. <laughs> she lived to be a hundred. So she's old oh, my wow. whole life, but she could work and, uh, pretty much lived off a pecan, a uh, little pecan orchard there at, at her house. And everything was done by hand. We made soap, we saved seed, you know, for our vegetables and, uh, harvested those pecans. And, uh, of course, Christmas was a big year. So I think just, that was where it all started. And, um, I, of course, she contributed a lot more than just the love for that. Um, but she was an incredible person who really, really um, was influential in shaping my life. I still think about her. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, those relationships are really what it's all about, you know, past and present. So it, it, you're exactly right. And until she had a big impact. And two, I mean, you're, you know, you grew up in a family, you mentioned both your parents uh, would work in different shifts. So you understand when someone's out there and they're talking about, hey, my, family works these different times and that you grew up in that. So you understand. Oh, that absolutely. Completely. Yes, sir. Hey, well, also now marriage therapist now, but former rodeo cowboy. 
<laughs> we're gonna have to we got to hear these we got to hear this story now you gotta unpack that one huh? <laughs> yeah yeah we need to unpack that we need to unravel yeah. that one yeah well i mean i grew up around horses and stuff i didn't grow up in a rodeo family and so i at a very early age i i was just i don't know i just drawn to the sport uh just kind of stuck with me and uh so when i got about 16 or 17 I had to slip out to do it, right? My family was not uh, <laughs> in favor of such. I started making little small rodeos round, round close, and um, you know, a road and bro, uh, bareback bronc was uh, my bronc riding was the event, and uh, so um, then it, you know, I don't know, got up about eighteen or so, started making more of those, um, but I, I wouldn't give anything for that time. I. Um, I learned so much about life. I, I had a bunch of, you know, knuckleheads that I I, I found that we traveled with. And, I, and we had a station wagon. <laughs> and what was good of those big old ones back then, you know, because this is back in the late 60s and 70s. And so you could lay that back seat down. So if somebody was hurt, you know, you 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 got to, got to lay down on the way home. And uh, these guys I rode with were good, you know. And so uh, they, I always figured... You know, I, I I was, you know, faith was important to me even back then. And so, you know, we would make the rodeos and they 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 would want to party and stuff afterwards. So I'd, I'd, they'd pull in someplace and I'd go to sleep because I knew I'd be the designated driver. <laughs> I think they hauled me around because they wanted my entry fee and uh, that they knew I'd get them home safe. Um, but it's interesting. And of course, they always kind of looked at me with like I had three eyes because of because I was different, you know, and because my value system is so interesting, though. But they then they got in a mess. It's, it's funny how they'd show up and say, hey, I, you know, how they turn to you. And I think that was, that's kind of a pattern um, in my life. Um, even back then, I think that was sort of sowing some seeds toward maybe where I'd end up being a counselor. Um, people just tend to kind of find their way to you or move to you know move up to you whenever they're in troubling times or whatever and yeah. uh, Did, so. was it was it hard to i know you said your faith and so you mentioned that station wagon i remember as a kid we had those little jump seats in the very back part of it that sometimes would fold up and you sit oh, back yeah. in the back but you could stretch it out but was it hard to you know make that decision to go hey you know what these are my friends and i know they're gonna pull in here at the bar or whatever i'm just gonna sleep in the back and I'll get them home. Was that a hard decision or is it just something? Is that something maybe your great aunt kind of helped put into you and got you to that place? Or? I think uh, maybe a combination of both. It, was, it wasn't easy, especially at that age, you know, because uh, we, you know, in that season in our life when we're moving in adolescence, we're moving more toward others outside our peers than we are family um yeah it's easy to get pulled into that stuff and it was certainly you know a temptation to me but you know i think those values that were just put in me very early on you know uh just helped define me as you know me what grounded me and kept me from um from uh you know going off that way i mean i had yeah. my it wasn't a it wasn't a clear path now I had, <laughs> yes sir I, I i had some some uh misses along the way but um, yeah, there's something you kind of know that they look at you different and they, you know, that you're not exactly accepted like. But I think um, that didn't seem to bother me as as much as the 
as me, what it would feel like if I had to compromise myself, you know? Yeah. So, uh, hey, you, you mentioned something I want to explore a little, a little bit deeper. Yeah. I guess first time I heard this, you said as an adolescence, sometimes adolescents were tend to move outside to mm-hmm. others instead of like closer to family. It, explain that a little bit. Yeah, that's a natural progress, uh, progressive thing. It's a developmental thing. So, you know, uh, if you've had, you know, we've all been through adolescence, right? But if we kind of reflect on our kids and even our grandkids, that's kind of where I am with my grandkids right now. I mean, when they when they were young, they would uh, knock on the door and open the door and they, you know, wrap their arms around me, you know, and nearly tackle me or whatever. What are we going to do, Grandpa? And then now they're at a place that's kind of like the like the, uh, you know, the, the old the full service growth up. Uh, <laughs> Filling stations we ran into where they pull in, honk the horn, want you to fill the gas tank up, and then they're gone off with their friends. It's a natural thing that happens, uh, transition, moving toward others, moving outside, build, developing those relationships out there. So that's why those peer peer relationships are so important. Uh, and it's important to work, you know, <laughs> what what kind of peers we are drawn to, right? And our kids are drawn to. And oh, yeah. With, so. well, I thought that was the answer. I just wanted to make sure I was understanding that correctly. Oh, yeah. you, you're exactly right. I've got four grandboys now. They're still four years of age and younger. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. They love Papa and Gigi. But I always yeah. tell my wife, I say, there's coming that day when maybe they're going to they're gonna move on. But yeah. enjoy it now. Enjoy it now while you can. Yeah. Hey, so you were, you say you're bareback rider. Is that what you, you did? Yeah. Awesome. Did you go into any other type of sports and rodeo? You ride bulls or? No, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I stuck with uh, bareback. I didn't. I didn't have you know. Being a rough rider, you just all you really need was just your equipment, you know, and a car to get you somewhere. Uh, I probably would have roped if I'd been in a community or uh, maybe a family that you know could do that. That was quite different. You needed a horse and yeah, and a trailer yeah. and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, yes, sir. But, no, that was the. That was my sport of choice, and you know, still yes, my sir. passion. Still yes, very much. Do you still do you tri- still try to watch rodeos on television? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. good deal. Um, actually, some of my some of the guys I rode with their their kids have grown up. You know, one of them, uh, one Calgary Calgary Stampede here. You know, I don't know, not too too many years ago, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, I remember him being four years old and riding riding in the car with us, and then. Now I saw him, you know, win that. So it's it's rewarding. And oh yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, so tell us, uh, you know, you tell us a little bit of your history, kind of how you grew up. But uh, tell us why you chose to pursue ag as a career. Well, it just it was my first love. It just always was my first love. I think again, it, I started out that way with the land. You know, that I guess the kind of the little introduction I had there on a small piece of property with my aunt. Um, my dad owned a feed store. I grew up in a feed store. So I, I, I was, you know, there was questions about feed and seed and pesticides, herbicides. I mean, I grew up hearing that stuff. Uh, that was a big thing. Um, so I don't know. That was just, it was just, and it looks like there was no other options for me. That was just the first thing I did. It's so interesting because I remember um, I was so confused because I, I didn't want to go to college, actually. Uh, but I had a chance to get a rodeo. I thought I had a chance to maybe get a rodeo scholarship. So I went to 
Sam Houston State University and joined there and realized that I didn't know what a cowboy was. <laughs> Until I got there, they they were they were in a different zone than I was. But uh, I actually got interested in school and went ahead and got my ag business degree. So actually, I think it's kind of rodeo kind of drew me there. And then, but then I just I just studied it, and it was the kind of deal where you know I was so in. I would read what I had to read, but I ended up reading stuff that I didn't have to read uh, in preparation for tests and stuff because it was just that fascinating to me. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and you could tell you had a love for it. So, oh, it was uh, deep. Yeah, still is. <laughs> so yeah. You say you got there and you figured out they were in a different zone than you were. What did you oh, mean? Tell about those cowboys. Oh, they were they were world class, and I was <laughs> I was a. Uh, you know, a, a wannabe, I guess, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, that was it was they had the national championship team, I think, right around. Oh, there. yes. Sir. They, had, they had that top notch guys. So. Yeah, they, they were really good. Right, so guys, how, guys, I just didn't I couldn't compete with them. So, well, how did how did God use your your ag knowledge for ministry uh, in America and abroad? Uh, it's it's fascinating that the ways those two have come together. Um, I guess we could go back to, you know, there's kind of like, you know, the scripture talks about go ye therefore. And, uh, and it really says, I think my understanding of it says, it's like, as you go, you know, so as I went, uh, very much having a heart for agriculture, just doors, different doors that opened up for me along, along the way. Uh, and, you know, I guess stateside. Uh, I sold ag chem supplies and veterinary supplies right out of college. Um, had a lot of people, again, you know, customers. I, I went all over Texas, Southeast mm. uh, Oklahoma and whatever. Had people that would just turn to me, you know, having hard times and stuff. And so I felt like that was kind of preparing me for what I never imagined myself being. I never, never imagined myself being a counselor. Never, never. In fact, in my youth, I probably wouldn't have, in younger days, I probably wouldn't have had any appreciation for it at all. I wouldn't, you know, I didn't recognize it as being important and, you know, who in the world needs that. But, um, but, and then I had some, uh, some dark, uh, dark time in my own life and uh, counseling was um, significant uh, help to me. And then that kind of fed that. So, so I guess fast forward, even now, as I've moved into being a trainer, I train, uh, all, well, globally, I've trained around the world and, and also mainly in the States. Um, as I began to do that, I actually use some of my, I, I, you know, do some groundwork with horses and stuff around here. I got a herd dog or two I'm always messing with. And I videotape those those clips from that, and I use that in my training. Um, is that I train therapists and counselors, you know, how about relationships and those dynamics, and so they can really see that in a way that uh, really is impactful, I think, than than versus just sort of commenting on yeah. things. So that's that piece, um, and so um, now, and I do equine therapy, uh, so I have a. I do offer that work with couples, uh, a lot of military folks um, here. Done that on my place in oh, wow. a kind of structured format. Hey, you don't have to answer this if you don't you don't want to. Do you, you feel 
comfortable maybe sharing a little bit? You mentioned there was a dark time in your life that may have kind of led you to to pursue this path. Do you feel comfortable sharing oh, a few aspects of that? Oh, absolutely. And I think that was another another thing that sort of moved me um, maybe toward where I am or how God used that. So, yeah, I was, of course, when you talk about how I tied agriculture in an international way, we can as as a, as an agricultural uh, missionary to West Africa for some time. Okay. But anyway, um, after that, after I got home, um, some the my wife and the kid's mom at that time decided to take a different road in life, and so very unexpectedly, and of course that was very shocking to oh, yeah. me, us. And so I I, I needed help. Because I, I hit rock bottom, I, I was I just couldn't make sense of any of it, and didn't want it, and was confused by it. So um, that was, I think, the dark one of the darkest seasons that I. Oh had. yeah, yeah. And it, anyone out there listening that's walked down that path would agree with you. That's probably one of the darkest times of their life. Oh, there's nothing like it, and and I think that's uh, that plus the other life experiences and things that came along. Uh, really, really, I don't know. Gave me a passion for helping couples. Um, and try to do everything I could to help them not get to that place. Yeah. Hey, when you were a missionary in West Africa, so how did you use, and and we're probably asking a question that maybe some folks out there listening may know somewhat of the answer. How do you use agriculture like in West Africa to spread the gospel? I mean, how does that, how does that work? Well, so sometimes, especially with agriculturalists, we can go to countries where they wouldn't let anybody in the ministry in. So we come in and uh, and so we get permits to come in and work. And that was the case in, in the country I worked in. And so um, I lived in a very remote place about, I say, eight to 18 hours away from the big city because it depended on how, how the trip went. And by the way, this is no telephone. This is no um I mean, there's no communication. It took me six months to get a snail mail letter, you know, and and uh, so uh, we were out way out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, right about that, so it took on several places. One uh, about in the early '80s, if I'm got my dates right, we had a may didn't get rains that year, and there was a major drought, and so the kids really suffered, and there's a lot of malnutrition related mm-hmm. diseases. So we came developed a program, and we went around and did uh, food distributions. I was mm-hmm. in a little. Uh, four by four Datsun pickup, and uh, we'd fill that thing with rice and drive through the roughest terrain you can imagine to go to these villages. And some of them had never really seen a white person before. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I did that during that. Was, I guess we could say that would be crisis. The other crisis was wells, dug a lot of wells in yeah. different villages. We were there to provide good, safe drinking water. But I, I, I organized a farmer's co-op for young men. And um, and so what I did was I trained them in in um, in agriculture. But, you know, applicable to their situation. That was the hardest thing for me to do is unlearn everything I learned so that I could, you know, listen long enough to hear. Un- There's a good reason why they did what they did. Like, for example, uh, growing, you know, they had... Uh, Pearl millet, they grew that, okay? If if the rains came, and it was like 10, 12 foot high. And I'm thinking, why in the world would you do that when you, boy, just think if we could get that down low and use some better hybrid varieties, how much more, you know? And then then you get thinking about it. Well, they said, well, that would be great. But the birds, 
on that 12-foot Milo, when they sit on it, they can't sit there and eat very much because it moves. But if you grow it about 18, 24 inches off the ground, <laughs> that the sheep and the goats and everything else is going to eat it. Okay. So, and they, and by the way, we use that, those stems to build our hat, our huts and stuff. So it, it all makes sense, you know? So it was kind of moving in and trying to help them get an understanding of how and what they did things and help them sort of improve some of those things, some of the improved practices, but they had to, had to be very practical. And uh, so, you know, that was a, that was that was what I did, but I also had a chance. Those those young guys were we had discipleship too, you know, and we had uh, that as a, a part of the the group. Uh, Mr. Kenny, we're going to come back next week and and talk more about uh, marriages. But just real quick, would you know you use that that illustration? Okay, so some of us have been in the ag community, or whatever, familiar with a pearl millet or. A lot of you duck hunters out there, that kind of stuff too, maybe. <laughs> but you know, you said sometimes we can roll in and say, well, I know the best thing for this situation, but you don't know all the context. And like they say, it needs to be tall, provide the stems for the, the roofs. Uh, the birds couldn't sit on it long. Might not have ever thought about that. Well, the marriage situation, I, I guess marriages are all different. Sometimes, I guess, in counseling, you you know, you may have a, well, this is a template you can apply, but would you say a lot of times in marriage situations, each one's different and there's different um, context to it? And every, every, we're all as unique as our thumbprint. Okay. And then we're in a relationship with someone who is as unique as their thumbprint and you put us together and we're as unique as we are together. So yeah, there's not one size fits all. And so, um, you know, you've got to be, well, maybe, maybe what I said a while ago, you got to be open, <laughs> you got to listen. And there may, there's, I have never found it not being a good reason for why people are stuck. They're there for a good reason. I guess yeah. we can say this to our audience. Hey, you want to know more about that? You got to catch next week's episode <laughs> uh, to get the rest, the old Paul Harvey, get the rest of the story yeah. uh, on that. Hey, one other question too for uh, this week on our podcast. Uh, so what if we got some folks out there? I was watching some pre-stuff for the uh, uh, the rodeo that's going on out in Las Vegas. Uh, so last night I was catching, I was on the Cowboy Channel RFD TV, and I was catching some uh, interviews and people talking about their faith in the Lord. And one roper had had an accident. And uh, So there's a lot of folks out there listening that uh, are believers and they're in agriculture, whether if it's with uh, horses, or equine, or, or you know, or cattle, animal husbandry, row crops, whatever. And they say, "Hey, you know that West Africa stuff, no telephone and all that." I'm, I'm not sure I can do that. But what are some other ways that maybe they can use their ag background to minister in the lives of people? Some ways maybe they can be involved right here, you know, right in their local community. And we got people from other countries listening to the podcast, yeah. but it would apply the same way. So what's some ways they can use that knowledge in ministry and be involved in the lives of other people? Well, I don't see it a whole lot different because, well, the first thing I had to do when I went overseas, right, is learn the language, right, and be able to connect and relate and listen and learn. And um, so I think, again, as we go, uh, I mean, it, we're, as we move through life, we're able to you know, rub shoulders, we're able to understand, we're able to communicate, we're able to give 
maybe even metaphors and images and stuff that no one else can because it, it it has its own language and there it is a culture you know those of us who grew up and and live in agriculture it it is a culture and it's a language i mean have you ever we if you've ever been in a you know in a group somewhere and then you just kind of migrate and find somebody that has that shared you just gonna sit there and you can talk and tell tales and people around you're looking at you like i haven't got a clue of what you're talking about <laughs> so it is a language and we speak that language and we're fluent in that language and we can use that as we go there's that that to me is the that's just the powerful thing. Those are the circles God has us in. And uh, he's shaped us and we're fluent. Yeah. And sometimes, too, you talk about being fluent in those circles. When someone's struggling in parenting or marriage or at work, when you can talk their language, it uh, really helps them to be able to maybe navigate a dark, dark time in their life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you have a you connect with them in a way you've joined with them in a way you've you've got history here, whether you you know what I mean, uh, in ways that no one else does. There's an inroad there and you're there for a reason. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Kenny, thanks for being with us today on this episode. And uh, uh, man, we appreciate it. we're looking forward to what you're going to bring us next week when we talk again. So thanks for being here. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it so much. Yes, sir. Hey, all the folks out there, you know, God gives us different gifts uh, in life, places us where he wants us to be. And you can be a blessing to people that are in your sphere of influence, your circle of influence, whether you're, a, you know, maybe you're a preacher or you're at the office or you're on a tractor or whatever it could be. We encourage you to, you know, be open how God can use you. And I just want to challenge you to, you know, let the Lord lead you this week and and look for opportunities out there as you can talk the language. Uh, Someone that you may know or someone you run into, you got the same type of background. Hey, make sure you tune in next week. Mr. Kenny's going to be back. We're going to be talking about emotion-focused therapy. It's based on science and matching up with scripture. The information he shares can change the direction of your marriage and family. So check out our show notes for the links on emotion-focused therapy and Mr. Kenny's book, Created for Connection. Hey, so I'm looking forward to the episode next week. I hope you are, too. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, next week and we'll be here on that podcast until then keep farming and keep the faith you've been listening to that farm life podcast planting hope harvesting strength with your host archie mason that farm life podcast is a creation of the agri health network in conjunction with grounded faith ministries where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.